The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. And welcome to another edition of Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Pastor John Kane, broadcasting from the oldest town in Texas, Nacogdoches. With us on the program today, we have Professor Eli Prieto. Uh, Professor Prieto is Associate Professor of Practical Theology and Associate Dean of Urban and Cross-Cultural Ministry. He's also uh, a Lutheran Foundation Professor of Urban and Cross-Cultural Ministry at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Welcome to the program, Dr. Prieto. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. I'm very honored to be here talking to you guys, and I hope we can have an exciting conversation this morning. So uh, you've come from Brazil. You've spent time in Texas uh, you know, teaching uh, missions, uh, leading a mission organization here, and now you're a professor in uh, St. Louis at the seminary. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and your life path. Oh, thanks. Thanks, John. Yeah, so um, as you can see by a last name that I have, I'm not really a traditional Lutheran, right? So I, I must be a fruit of mission work, which I am. So I was born and raised in, in, in Brazil, like you pointed out. So uh, I was born in Sao Paulo, which is southeast of Brazil. And uh, my dad retired early. We moved to Rio de Janeiro and close to our church, I mean, to our home, there was a Lutheran church. Uh, I grew up as Presbyterian. Uh, in fact, I was baptized by a missionary, American missionary in Brazil, pastor in Brazil, Presbyterian pastor. And my dad was a nominal Catholic, so Roman Catholic. Uh, he didn't go to church too much. So mom raised us in the, in the Presbyterian faith. And, uh, but, you know, one day we were going by bus, passed by this Lutheran church, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. And my mom didn't have a lot of formal education, but she read a lot and she said, when the bus passed by the church, she said, well, this is a, a Lutheran church. You know, Martin Luther is the reformer. And she started to tell me about his life, which I didn't know anything about it. So to make the long story short, we uh, walked to that church the following Sunday because we could walk from our home. And the pastor was in his first call, Pastor Luis Carlos Garlip, a very German name. <laughs> and so anyways, uh, the... The rest is history. We, we, my mom and I joined the church. I was confirmed uh, when I was 17 years old. And then the pastor sent me to the priest seminary in South Brazil. And he said, you're going to become a pastor. And here I am. <laughs> so uh, interesting story. But uh, yeah, so that's you know, my journey in the Lutheran faith. Um, my first contact with Luther was through his small catechism of 1529. As everybody knows, I think everybody went to a Lutheran confirmation. They learn about the catechism. So I'm not an expert or a scholar in Luther. Uh, I'm a fan. So I'm a fan of the guy. So he was uh, you know, amazing, continues to be. Uh, he was ahead of his time. And he had a really a pastoral heart. So that's our topic today that we'll be talking about. So. so what was it about Luther that captured your mother's attention and then she passed that on to you? You know, I, I think that's a good question. Never thought about that, John. I, I think 
Um, she said, if I remember correctly, she said, you know, Luther want to have the church for people that people could understand in their own language. As you know, he translated the Bible to German, uh, and he had a, a team of people helping him with the Old Testament because, you know, it's a, it was a big, big endeavor to do that. But he did the whole New Testament and parts of the Old Testament for sure. Uh, but he had the theme of people work with him. And I think his major concern was to have God's word in people's hand. And I think my mom, in some way, she understood that, you know, the reason we can worship today in other Christian churches because of Luther Reformation. And I think that something that really stuck with me, you know, I mean, I always remember that. And, and I think that's why I, I really started to think about him more and more, you know, and admire what he did it. So uh, Luther, it really seems like he was good at time management. He did a lot of things at the same time. I mean, he was a monk. He was a, an administrative head of uh, convents and uh, yeah. uh, monasteries, and he was a professor like yourself, but he was also a pastor. That's right. And um, can you give us some examples about that, how he maybe juggled those things, or, or what was it about being a pastor that was so important in the mix? Yeah, I think, you know, the whole Reformation movement uh, has to do with being pastor or or bad pastoral care. You know, if, if Luther was really concerned, as you know, he himself was seeking comfort for his own soul. And this is why it really, you know, was driven him uh, or drove him to be in the scripture. And then through the scripture, he, he discovered this God that was merciful, right? Yeah that gave him comfort in the gospel. So uh, there are so many scholars, you know, that, that they say, you know, really the, the real motivation that behind the Reformation was pastoral concern, what we call pastoral care. Uh, and uh, many, many scholars, like I said, I'm not a scholar in, in Luther, but uh, they talk about that, that Luther... Uh, was concerned about that. So he preached, you know, the scholars say that Luther preached more than 6,000 sermons in all his uh, life, you know, as a preacher. But you he, uh, you see examples, too, of Luther writing the, the small and large catechism, right? So why he did that? Because he wanted people to have the word in, uh, of God's word in, in their hands. As you know, in those days, you know, was not like going to the dollar store and buy a Bible, right, and take home. People didn't have access to the scripture. It was very expensive. So uh, Luther thought, well, if we have a small catechism, which was not really his idea, we had catechism before Luther, and, and he just, you know, reshaped things, and he wrote his own way and order that he want to have the Ten Commandments, you know, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and by the way, that was Luther's main idea of the catechism. So today we have the 60 parts of the catechism, right? Because then we start to talk about baptism, uh, confession, absolution, which is the office of the keys, and then the Lord's Supper. But those three pieces were added later. Uh, the first three is really what you described, the Luther's theology, right? So the Ten Commandments shows uh, God's law and shows your sin, and then what God does for you to forgive you, he gives you the Apostles' Creed, right? That tells you who God is. He's the creator. He's the savior. He gives you the Holy Spirit to bring you into the church. 
now that you know who God is and what he has done for you, you respond to God praying the Lord's Prayer. You see, that's his theology. But Luther also wrote many hymns. Uh, he wrote letters of, of what they call spiritual letters of counsel or, you know, giving comfort and, and counseling to people. Uh, he translated, you know, the liturgy and he wrote the liturgy uh, in Latin, you know, for the people that were very well educated. So he also thought about them, but he wrote one in German and he wrote a brief one that could be used in the house with the family that they could have devotions and prayers. So there are many aspects of Luther as pastor, you know, that we can talk more about that, uh, John. But one thing I would like to emphasize here before I'll let you move on uh, is just that Luther's, uh, for Luther, true theology is always pastoral. And pastoral care is always theological. Do you understand that? Yeah. So, and so theology is always applying to people's life. But as you would do so, theology has to be grounded in God's word. So it's not something abstract, you know. And we can talk about that too. But Luther understood the word of God is a real thing. It's not really something printed in the paper. Right. It was a living word of God, you know. So. It's not like, oh, we see the scripture. Oh, it's a book. You close the book. No, Luther said, this thing is a living thing. <laughs> this is, yes. you know, happens in your life. Right, right. So as a pastor, we might say he was defending his people against corruption, but then helping them to, to take the word of God and make it their own, uh, understanding right. that it applies, applies to each and every believer. No, that's right, John. Yeah. And the 95 thesis, you know, is a good example of that too. You know, people think, well, he wrote the thesis in Latin, which he did it, and was just to talk to the educated people. That's true too. But if you pay attention to the thesis, you know, to those thesis, you see that he's emphasizing, you know, this pastoral care too, you know? Right, right. So the forgiveness of sins uh, being available to everyone from, from God, for everyone who uh, is sorrowful over their sins, rather than having to pay for it. Yeah. Um, that, that whole notion of defending his people and granting God's forgiveness and peace is, is so powerful to people today, just as it was uh, mm -hmm. back in Luther's day. So, uh, totally true. So you, you talk about Luther as pastor, uh, and the care that he personally gave to people, uh, and also his preaching, where he uh, preached so many sermons, and he, he'd sometimes he'd travel around and, and preach in other places, and his, uh, his writings, I mean, his students who were with him took awfully detailed notes of just about every word he ever uttered. Uh, so we, we have a lot of those things yet today. I guess uh, the, the style of his preaching was a lot more long-winded <laughs> than, yeah. than what I'm uh, used to, uh, many hours long. But what, what would yeah, you like? Yeah. What would you like to say about Luther as a preacher? Well, I mean, that's a fascinating thing. We could talk for a long time, and could be just one program about that. You know, as I said before, uh, John uh, Luther uh, understood that the Word of God was really. A living thing, you know, and he said, you know, uh, the sermon should be a kind of a, he said in Latin, viva vox evangelii, that means the living voice of the gospel. Yeah. So he said, that's really what is the most important thing. And if you remember uh, his thesis, you know, I think 
uh, one of his pieces that I like most uh, out of the 95 is I think it's the 62. Let me just, yeah, here is, he goes in thesis 62, it's very short, it's only two lines and it says, the true treasure of the church is the most holy gospel of the glory and grace of God. So Luther understood that the treasure of the church is this gospel that is given to us in Christ, right? A Christ that was willing to become flesh, to suffer and die, and rise again to give us hope and salvation, forgiveness, eternal life. So, uh, I mean, it's interesting because Luther never wrote a book about homiletics, about preaching, or even, you know, one of the essays. He didn't do that. Even though he says, I think we can see that he wanted to do that, and he was really upset about the preachers of his day. And, and, you know, and he said something very interesting. He said, someday I will have to write a book against the artful preachers. And they had very arts, whatever it, he meant by that. But, you know, they're not really preaching. But, you know, if you, if you think about his sermons, uh, John, I think three things, you know, are very interesting. First of all, simplicity of language, you know. I think that for us professors, or even Lutheran pastors, because as you know, uh, you cannot be a Lutheran pastor if you don't have a lot of education, as you know that. So the, the our church requires a lot of training and learning language and all that. But sometimes uh, I think we can stay up there and don't preach and talk to people in their level. So Luther was very concerned that we would speak, uh, speak you know, in the level that people understand. Uh, there are many quotes uh, of him, and one of them is like he says, when I'm here in the church, I preach for the women and the children, you know, and, and if they can understand, anybody else would be able to understand me. But then he says, if you want to hear Dr. Luther speaking really difficult, well, then you come to my classroom. And in some way, he said, I'm going to speak so hard that you never even yourself will understand me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he was kind of a, yeah, you don't. You know, like we say in text, don't mess with me. You know, if you wanted me to hear you speaking really tough, I would do it. But when I preach, I want to be very simple, uh, uh, not simplistic, but simple language that people understand the meaning of the gospel. Uh, another aspect of his preaching, John, I think it's very important for us to understand that his preaching was very direct, you know, graphic and concrete preaching. You see he using some examples of, of those days when people were farmers or people that were in the market. Even his translation was like that, right? He was going to the market to hear how people spoke words in German that he could use the same words for people to understand what they're reading. And also that was important for him, you know? Uh, I have a quote from him here. He says, in my preaching, I take pains to treat the Bible verse and I stick with this, with this verse, and so to instruct the people that they can say, that's what the sermon was all about. You know, right. I, I, as a preacher, you know, sometimes I wonder, and now I'm sitting more in the field than I'm preaching. And to be honest with you, sometimes I go to a place and people preach and say, what this guy was talking about? I don't have an idea, you know. So I think the main idea is you stick with a little piece of the verse and say, let's see what people can take home, you know. And then the last piece, then I'll go back to that, is length, the variety, his delivery. Uh, Luther said something like this, the preacher needs to know 
to step to the pulpit, stay in the pulpit, and come down. <laughs> like, you know, just stay there enough to say the word, and then, hey, it's over, okay? So, uh, I, 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 Luther never used that because, of course, in his time, he didn't have airplanes, but, you know, I sometimes I call sermons like airplanes, you know, you think the guy going to, you know, going to land? Land, and then he takes off again. <laughs> And goes around the airport for a couple of times. Then he let no, then he takes off again and say, you know, I don't like the you no know, airplane sermons. You know, you just land and land, man. Take off and land. So that's it. You know, so a variety too, you know, using different ways of preaching. You can see that in the delivery, he wrote his sermons. I think he preached from notes, but you know, he was a very strong preacher. He had a beautiful voice uh, for people, scholars say, so people could really listen to him and enjoy listening to him. You have to understand, John, that the gospel was something new, okay? Yeah. People never heard about that before. So they would be probably thirsty to hear this. They you know, say, I want to drink more of this word, like the woman in the well in John 4, right? Hey, Jesus, give me this water, okay? So... Anyways, I, I spoke too much, John. <laughs> not at all, not at all. So you you brought up one of the uh, theses from Luther's 95 theses, and that's what kicked off the Reformation. So any Christian who's not a member of the Roman yeah. Catholic Church or the, the Orthodox Church bodies, any other church body really took its origin at some point uh, from, from Luther's effect on that day. You're talking about the... Um, uh, the sweetness of the gospel, the treasure of of mm -hmm. the gospel. And I think the message that he uh, he, he heard from the uh, the existing church before that point, before the the ninety five theses, was that there was a treasury of merits uh, oh, yeah. from from the dead saints, and we were to look to them for mm -hmm. uh, forgiveness, and we could buy their forgiveness. But you know, to understand the gospel, then contrasted to buying uh, good works from dead saints. How would you define the gospel for our listeners? Well, I think, you know, the, the gospel, uh, if you would, you know, we, in a nutshell, you can use John 3, 16, right? Everybody knows that, that God so loved the world that he's given his only one son, that whoever believes him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But of course, the gospel is more than that. Of course, what Christ did for us on the cross you know, suffering, taking or or guilty and our sins, you know, and nail on the cross for in our behalf. And he not only suffered, but he also gave his life. He died for me. You know, I think Luther was very serious about when you preach generically, you know, that, but Luther was always saying, you know, it's for you and, and you know, for you in the singular, you know, uh, uh, it's interesting in English, you know, you can be singular, can be plural, right? Uh, in Portuguese or in Spanish, it's not like that. So if you say tu is you, and if you say you plural is voces, except if you're in text, you can say you all, y'all, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that too. And sometimes I preach it like that. I said, it's for y'all. I say, oh, okay, Pastor. yeah, it's for everybody. Right. But, you know, the idea of Luther was like that, John, it's for you. Okay, so Jesus died for you. He is my savior. And I think that was something very unique uh, in the Reformation. You can tell Luther struggled with that. He, he, you know, many times he was trying to find this merciful God. He saw many people dying, John, 
even his friends when he was in school. Oh, the and plague. He, I was really, yeah, exactly. And he was really concerned. I said, if I die today, where are I going to go? He didn't have any hope, you know. So for him, he was in this quest to find a, a merciful God. And when he found it, he says, man, I cannot keep this thing for myself. You know, we could talk about that another time, but people criticize Luther that Luther wasn't a missionary, that in the sense that we think going to another parts of the world and, you know, but tell me this, John, the guy that rediscovers the gospel, is not he a missionary? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, this guy got the gospel back in the church. He was a true missionary. And the, how many people came to Wittenberg to study there? And then they went back to their countries. They brought all that learning that they got from Luther, Melanchthon, and all the reformers that were working with Luther in that theme. You know, So think about that. They're doing mission work. You know, sure. what they learned in Wittenberg, they talked to their homeland. So, but yes, the gospel was the, you know, the center of all his ministry. Uh, and you can tell he had really a pastoral heart, you know. Well, he, he walked to Rome and back, and he walked to Heidelberg and back. And he, you know, Heidelberg was 300 miles. I, Rome had to be more than 1,000 miles on foot. So he, yeah. uh, he did a lot of walking. So I'm not sure who there uh, who is saying that Luther wasn't a missionary because yeah. I don't think they knew the man. <laughs> that, that's right. You know, of course, you know, he wasn't a missionary the way sometimes people perceive that today. But, you know, he was. He was preaching the gospel. Every time you preach the gospel, you're a missionary, right? You're right. sharing God's word of forgiveness. So right. I, I cannot perceive in another way. You know, he's a fascinating, I mean, he was and still is a fascinating man, you know, because there's so many things unexplored, you know, in his, his scholarship. You know, you see uh, uh, meetings, you know, conventions or symposiums of Luther where people go and discuss right different aspects of his work, you know, because he was so, like you said, I don't know if he slapped, you know, I mean, he, I don't know. I mean, how he could, he didn't have a laptop. He didn't have a typewriter. I mean, he didn't have a secretary, I guess. I mean, you know, how he could do all that. I don't have any idea. I really don't. And he had six kids, I guess. Right. So, oh man. So, uh, but he loved his wife, you know, uh, Kathy and and you know or Kat, I think Katerina right Katerina yeah and, and, and you know but uh, I think he was the a strong force behind his work too you know I, oh, yeah. I think he organized his life because he was a mess I think until he married her you know he was so disorganized and and I think she helped him to to have a better life that he could produce so much you know after he had a wife that could organize his life and his household. And that was a blessing to him. He recognized that many times, you know. Right. Well, Eli, we'll come back to you in just a moment. First, I'd like to point our listeners to our uh, website for our radio program, elmhouston.org. And there on that website, elmhouston.org, you can find links to our Twitter and YouTube and uh, uh, Facebook accounts. You can find out more about your uh, radio hosts. You can write us at P.O. Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410. Uh, there's also ways for you to uh, support our work because of all, all of our on-the-air hosts are volunteers. So your tax-deductible donations go far to help us purchase airtime for uh, these radio programs. So our guest today has been uh, 
Professor Eli Prieto at Concordia Seminary. Uh, the, the website for the uh, seminary is csl.edu. Eli, thank you for being with us today. And to our listeners, God's blessings. We hope you join us again real soon on Engaging Truth. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.